0: In today's episode, we continue our series of interviews with the very tremendous Jared of the Feathers and Friends podcast. Stand by, true believers. Here comes another episode of You're Not My Father. Welcome back to You're Not My Father, the best family-friendly podcast from Alaska and this side of Anchorage. Um, we don't know what the other people on the other side of Anchorage do. We don't live there anymore. I'm your host, Thomas Brando Greenman. I'm a father, a husband, and my curiosity mistakes have given me a world of experiences that I want to share with you, maybe even make you laugh. Our podcast is made for you to learn something positive, something that you can apply to your life as both a parent, a kid, or otherwise, Maybe if you're a dog, like a pug, cute little pug, squishy face. So, without much further ado, let's do this. Today's show is sponsored by coffee. Not just a specific one, just plain old coffee in general, with a nice splash of Southern Pecan Coffee Creamer in it. If it wasn't for coffee, this would probably be a pretty lousy show. If you'd like to sponsor our show, or if you've got some money and you want to help us spread the word on your product... Drop us a line at facebook.com slash show or via email at YNMF show at gmail.com. Hello everyone on today on You're Not My Father, I'm interviewing Jared from the Feathers and Friends podcast. And so we're going to be just subjecting him to the fatherly interview questions and see what kind of wisdom he can share with us. So welcome to the show, Jared. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, Thomas. Just kind of woke up, so I'm excited to be here, man. Awesome, awesome! I know though, just waking up feeling. Um, I am working my way through coffee, and yeah, early morning podcast are uh, both a challenge and uh, a pleasure because just because of coffee. Um, <laughs> so tell I'm, us I'm, a little. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of curious because
1: I'm looking at your little dingly thingy. It's making the moves up and down on, on ZenCaster here, and mine's not. Is that normal? That it's not doing it, or
0: um, that's a great question.
1: Should I make sure?
0: No, I I can see it.
1: <clears throat> okay. It, it's moving on your end. Okay. I just want to make sure, because I want to make sure that you're getting my audio, and I don't want to have to do a backup for you if I don't have to.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, um, for for those of, of you that are listening, and if we are too lazy to edit, which is probably going to happen, um, we're using <laughs> a product called Zencaster. And so, what it does is it records audio independently. So, spare you the technical details, but we're looking at the, the wavelengths, and so... So, yeah, it looks like you're actually coming in pretty good. So, all right. All um, right. I, I think we're, we're reading five by five. <laughs> <laughs> I've never said that in my life. <laughs> I know it sounds, it sounds silly, but, but we were, we were talking pre show and, um, yeah. So we were talking about the military. So, yeah, I'm also a movie kind of guy. So that, I think very specifically, I picked that up from, uh, aliens, not alien, oh. but aliens.
1: Oh, alien. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: So yeah. they're coming into the planet and the space Marines are landing and they're like something five by five. And I'm like, what does five by five mean? <laughs> I,
1: I should remember what it is. I really should, because I know I've heard it plenty of times, but I, I think it's, it, it's just their way of saying loud and clear, you know,
0: right or yeah. whatever. So. <laughs> so Jared has a podcast called, um, feathers and friends, and it's pretty interesting. So tell us, tell us about your podcast and, and maybe how you got started with that. And, um, a little bit about you and, 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 what you do.
1: Yeah. So I, uh, so when, when the beautiful world, uh, crisis hit us way back in, in the day, uh, my buddy was trying to get me into PC gaming and right around when it started, I got into PC gaming and I got my first PC, kind of started playing around with some things and all of a sudden, everyone's going to stay home. Nobody can do go out and do anything. And I was like, all right, well, how am going to stay in contact with my buddies. And I went out and I picked up a, a Blue Snowball Black Ice microphone uh, that I've been using ever since I started. And I was like, I'm going to do my own podcast. I researched into it. And at first, it was like, let's just talk about video games. It's what I like, and it gives me an outlet to just ramble. And it's kind of morphed into this more or less thing of where now I just find random things on the Internet that I want to talk about, and I go from there. And that's kind of what I ended up doing. So um, if you listen to my beautiful voice ramble, you'll hear some interviews uh, of some women out there. Uh, I talked to some OnlyFans. I've talked to some uh, Starbucks employees here recently. I've got a buddy from the military that comes on all the time. I've got another buddy who lives out in Nevada who's got his own show. And a lot of it is just me trying to find a topic or something that I'm interested in and running with it. If
0: that makes sense at all. It it makes perfect sense. Um, you know, I, I, I like hearing from people of all walks of life <clears throat> as a matter of fact, you know, the the more diverse to me, that's the more interesting aspect of it. You know, I don't want to hear from people that I see on a regular basis because what what's interesting about that. So I totally get it. Um, so why feathers and friends? Tell us, tell us, um, you know, why that name?
1: Yeah. So the, the show kind of started off as parrot gaming productions and it was, it was a bit of a mouthful and it it was just almost too much for, for me to kind of handle. And so I kind of went on like a two year journey to figure out how in the devil (laughs) I'm going to shorten the name. Cause you know, people would ask, Oh, you know, what's your podcast? Oh, parrot Paragaming Productions. It's like, yeah, let's let's maybe uh, find a shorter version of that. And I realized I've been interviewing a lot of people and I realized that I had been talking to a lot of different people. So I was like, well, let's continue the parrot theme and keep it feathers and friends. And so it was just kind of uh, the birds and, and the flock and just kind of being, you know, f- birds of a feather flock together, I guess, is the kind of terminology that I, I came up with and it's like, all right, feathers and friends. Let's go with it. So that was pretty much how it started. You know,
0: the more I hear it, the more it kind of sounds like a, like a talk show. It's like, um, <laughs> I hate to say it, but um, Fox and Friends or, you know, there's a lot of shows that have, <laughs> you know, and Friends type of uh, moniker in there. And uh, the only reason why I say Fox and Friends is because I think that. It's one of the well-known shows. It is one of the well-known shows. There, yeah. And I think um, at one point in time, I think whenever the Gulf War started, that show was around and Fox wasn't as polarizing as it is now. Um, So, um, so Jared's um, had a chance to look at um, our list of questions. So we're going to dive right into some of those. Um, So number one, we'll, we'll ask this one. How important do you think having a father in your life is?
1: You know, it was kind of one of the things that you said earlier that was kind of nice that I thought was pretty cool. Um, Doesn't matter what gender your father is. It just matters that you have a fatherly figure in your life. And I feel that it's super important because I've I was lucky enough to not only be adopted, but also my parents divorced and remarried Mm -hmm. individuals. Um, You know, my dad remarried a a very young girl. And then my mom kind of remarried a guy around the same age as her and it was always kind of interesting because my, my adopted dad would kind of teach me what not to do. And then my stepdad kind of had helped guide me a little bit more in life. And it was so it was kind of cool because I feel like I had a little bit of a cheat yeah. code, if you will. But I think to answer your question, it yes, is very, very important to have a fatherly figure in your life. So
0: um, whenever I was growing up, my parents divorced and they didn't really remarry. My father remarried at one point, but he was, he was busy, you know, he was law enforcement, military. Um, he just was never home. Not that he was a bad guy, but he was doing his best to take care of us, child support, that type Mm -hmm. of stuff. So I've, I've heard similar scenarios where people, you know, their parents have gotten divorced and, you know, they get remarried. It sounds like you, you actually got the, the best of both worlds, so to speak. You had multiple father figures in your life in a way, um, Do you, do you feel like you were kind of forgive the term blessed, you know, by having, you know, that Mm -hmm. much influence your life? The
1: answer, uh, yeah, simply. Yeah. Just because I had so many different friends and, you know, I had so many different moms out there and I would have like fatherly moments with my buddies, friends, and then I was military as well too. Um, you know, and I was law enforcement in the military, so I had many father figures in the military as well, too. And it it's really nice to kind of draw upon all of that knowledge to try to create somebody that you want to become.
0: In, That's in the officer. Future. Um, I'm kind of jealous, <laughs> but in a good way. Um, you know, um, mm-hmm. so with with all this influence that you had in your life, um, what's what's probably the best advice? One of your fathers gave you? It would actually
1: have to be my actual okay. dad. Uh, well, my I call him my actual dad, um, but he was my adoptive dad. Uh, it the, the greatest advice that he ever gave me was um, do unto others as you would do as you would have mm-hmm. them do unto you. And then another little gold nugget is when driving, don't hit anyone <laughs> or anything. like i I turned 16 and he's like all right i'm gonna teach you how to drive and my first trip was to the bar because he was he's an alcoholic um but i know that went dark really fast but like he's like all right he gave me the keys got in the car with a beer and he's like all right golden rule number one don't hit anyone or anything i was like all right can do dad (laughs) so yeah it was uh Yeah. That was, that was the greatest piece of advice I got.
0: I don't even see that as dark. I mean, (laughs) I mean, part (laughs) of it is, but you know, (laughs) um, from, from my perspective, you know, I I think one of the things that makes fatherly advice, you know, interesting and and funny to talk about is stuff just like that, where, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. is it, is it right? Is it appropriate? No, but you know, that's kind of, how fathers have kind of been doing things for millennia, you know, <laughs> it's just kind of one of those things. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah. don't do as I do, <laughs> do as I say. Um, <laughs> so, um, what's, what's the best skill that, you know, your father or, or one of those father figures taught you in life? Hopefully, hopefully they taught you something besides <laughs> driving.
1: <laughs> yeah. one uh, of the, one of the kind of great things that I, it's it's kind of two bits here because my my real dad he he was really good at kind of spotting crazy. He was really kind of good at attracting the type of individuals that you may not want to bring home to gotcha. mom and dad. You know, you might not want to hang out with some of these interesting individuals. And I kind of grew up in a bar, so I kind of got to know a lot of. Uh, in the military, it was called mm-hmm. verbal judo. Um, and, and just kind of, you, you learn to read people's body language. you learn to read their language. You lean, you learn how to address the situation and figure out what somebody's doing without kind of letting them know what they're doing or what l- letting them know what you're doing. And it's really kind of nice because it was, it was the ability to read people and understand, uh, you know, that old fatherly adage here, you know, don't stick your right. thing in crazy because, you know, crazy might just stick you right. back. <laughs> so, um, and then, uh, I had, uh, my my stepdad had the gift of gab. He was a salesperson as well, too. So I really learned the skills of like negotiation and just talking in, in an environment to where, OK, this is, you know, this is what I can say. This is going to have a good result or this might have a bad result. And just kind of knowing what to say, how to say it and when to say it. So those were two very, very valuable skills that I've learned that I'm still putting in practice. That's, with that's awesome.
0: So, um, You know, that that ability to read people. Um, <laughs> I can just imagine, you know. I hear the words military, I hear, hear the words law enforcement and you start talking about, you know, that type of stuff. And all I can think of is like similar experience, you know, like why are we sitting Mm -hmm. in up against the wall, dad? (laughs) Why do we always go sit here? (laughs) Why are you always like focused on everybody that comes into the room? That type of stuff. So, um, very, very similar experience. I don't know if my dad was much of a talker, um, probably still really isn't. I don't know where I caught the gift of gab. Um, but yeah, I mean, these, these are really awesome skills because, you know, being able to understand something that's going on before it happens, you know, I think you quote a star Wars thing. That's a Jedi trait. Um, but it's, (laughs) but it is really useful. You know, if, if you, if you can predict something Mm -hmm. that's going to happen, Um, you know, you can, you can calculate the next move like a game of chess. And that's, that's one of the best pieces of advice my dad gave me was to treat everything like a game of chess, think several moves ahead and try to anticipate what's going to happen. Um, and you know, he, he basically told me that with driving number one, but you know, more of life. And so I've always kind of tried to think of that in that way is to be more strategic. Um. But I don't think I ever used the word strategic until my wife made me take a Clifton Strengths assessment, and she was like, "I told you, I told you." I was like, "You told me what?" <laughs> she's like, "She's like, you're just one of those thinker guys," and I'm pretty sure she she smacked me up against the head for saying, trying to paraphrase her like she's an idiot, but she's not. But yeah,
1: I, I feel you on that. That's actually one of my really, really good friends uh, who's out of Canada, believe it or not. Uh, she's out of Vancouver. That's one of the things that she absolutely loves about me is that I I, because of the military, I come at things from a very, very logical standpoint. I know that's a phrase many people don't ever hear in association with military. Military, military intelligence. Logic. <laughs> um, yeah, military intelligence. Yeah. <laughs> um, But I I think very logically about things, especially especially if it's not my own issues that I have to take into consideration. And like, I mean, I get a call like (laughs) like once a week from her. where all of a sudden it's just me and her talking. And She's like, hey, I have a question, Jared. It's like, all right, uh, you know, go and shoot Natalie. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, she's got this problem in life and I can hear that she's kind of coming it from and I I hate to be cliche cliche here, but she's like kind of coming at it from a bit of an emotional standpoint and kind of viewing things, you know, a little bit more inside the box. And that's where I come into play is, you know, I'm that thinker as well too. I, I, I like to tinker with ideas and I try to think of what's causing it. Why is it causing it? And, and even if it is an emotional response, think about it logically, because that's how it's going to have to, you're going to have to approach it. And I've helped solve a lot of problems and it, it's kind of cool to be that thinker because at that time you get a, impress people with your, your thoughts and how you, how you think through things. Yeah,
0: so. I, I, I totally agree. Um, I, I think that's another thing we should, we share in common. I do try to think about things logically. My wife, um, oh God, I hope she doesn't listen to this. She usually doesn't. <laughs> so I think we're <laughs> safe. I'm safe.
1: No, she'll probably listen
0: yeah. to this episode. This will be the probably, one she listens probably, to. Probably. So. But, uh, she, she definitely classifies herself as more of the emotional counterpoint in the family. And, um, I'm, I'm the more logical one. And sometimes she'll, she'll get upset. And sometimes I'm, it's hard for me to understand if she's upset at me, but she's upset that she gets emotional and that she wants to be more no, no. logical. And I'm like, I'm just scared. <laughs> she's a black belt in Taekwondo. And my daughter is a second degree black belt and my son is getting that, that path. So like, Everybody in my family knows how to kill somebody. And it's like, I'm glad you're on my team. (laughs) Well, if it makes you feel any
1: better, Taekwondo is, uh, is actually very defensive. A lot of it is defensive. So if you don't go on the offensive, I think you have a very strong. Well,
0: um, so the, 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 I I forget what it's called. I think in Korean it's Don John or Don something, not Don Johnson. Mm -hmm. But um, <laughs> they they actually have been teaching them more offensive stuff. So I think their master. Oh um, really? He's he's pretty high up there as far as um, I guess Korean Taekwondo. But there's hapkido and, and other things, and so he oh. he blends some of that stuff. Okay, so. pat, once they get past you know that first black belt or dan level or or gup or.
1: Yeah, the, I the forget, but levels, yeah. like they,
0: they get into other stuff as well. So, um, so my son's not learning any of that. Like he's, he's just doing his forms and, and whatnot, but the girls are into really crazy stuff, but you know, I want them to be scary. Um, we actually have a Krav Maga, mm-hmm. um, studio, I guess here in town, and so that's one of the things I want to get them cross trained in Krav Maga so that way, like, not only are they deadly, but like, they're efficient. It's like, okay, I need to kill somebody, I can do it in five seconds. <laughs> uh,
1: that, that was actually part of some of our initial training. Uh, Combat 101 was actually a, a wide variety of uh, some Maga, different types of Krav Maga that were out there. You want to talk about the speed, violence of action, and just the brutality, um, Krav Maga is, is most definitely the way to go and it also goes to show just how long I've been out of Taekwondo I mean I've been out of Taekwondo for like I think like 20 oh. years now <laughs> so like that's that's what I remember when I got my green belt and then I was done with high school so I was like alright it's just def- it's pure defense so I was like that's not what I want but yeah Krav Maga will teach you some very effective Yeah my moves. dad he
0: uh, he he would teach me various different well I would say he'd teach me a lot of times I was just the punching dummy. Um, you know, (laughs) i learned by failure, (laughs) but, um, he, he teaches me some rather quick and effective things. Um, you know, he pepper sprayed me one time, you know, after college, um, (laughs) we were doing how fun. uh, It was not fun, not at all. Um, but afterwards I did learn that if you pepper spray hot dogs, you know, they taste okay. So, I mean, I mean in a hot dog i know right isn't it isn't it yeah, kind of tasty yeah. sometimes but um <laughs> he'd pull out you know the tonfa you know uh pr24 that type of stuff and he'd be like come at me and it's like mm-hmm. that's not the best <laughs> advice but of course like
1: you're like okay i
0: can take you old man and then it's like you're on the ground and you're on the ground and you're on the ground and it's like crown's kind of nice i'm just gonna stay down here for a little while and <laughs> Hey,
1: the old man had to make sure that, uh, you know, you weren't gunning for him anytime yeah. soon. Let him know early, let him know early and young. Hey, you can't take me, son. I still yeah, got you. I, I think <laughs> that, you
0: know, as, as far as the skill goes, um, he he probably taught me the the real value of opportunity costs. It's like, you're going to do something. Is it worth it? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that type of thing. Um, so, yeah. Um, but I'm sure we could we could fill in a whole show about that type of stuff. <laughs> Um, let's move on to, um, how important is family to you now? Like, um, like as it sits, you know, today's, today's Jared, um, how important is family to you?
1: That's kind of a mixed bag of nuts. Um, because there, there are some points of contention that I have with my dad that like, I am just actually now starting to reach through and, and kind of guide through because, there's a there's a massive event with my stepmom. And uh I, I guess kind of give you guys the very TLDR. My stepmom, my stepmom has hated my guts for a very, very long time. And just recently, like literally over Christmas, she uh she hits me up and she's like, Hey Jared, I heard about that other podcast you're a part of, Shorts and Hoodies. Uh, we heard the first interview, you sounded really, really good. And it was like, first off, Mom, why are you talking to me? Secondly, why are you so interested in you never really spoke to me before. And so I don't know what dynamic has changed with my dad and my stepmom. But it, like, I'm kind of trying to reintroduce my life into them. um, And it's kind of nice. So family is important, but also at the same time, it can be very weird. And that's, strange. that's great.
0: You know, for a second there, you know, from from the way that you were saying it, you know, it almost seemed like you were you were like no, I don't want you in my life. But you know, the last part was like, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm working through this. And and that's, that's awesome. I I think, um, you know, I, I do a lot of recollection and try to play replay these past events in my life. And um, (laughs) I kind of liken it to like the um, like football, you know, where the coaches are playing Mm -hmm. these, these films Mm -hmm. and they're like, how could I do better? Where did I screw up, and that type of stuff? And honestly, you know, for a long time, yeah. I, I didn't think that those things were healthy for me, and I tried to avoid them. But um, I, I, I think self introspection is important to to our growth. And I think as we get older, and I am older <laughs> now, um, <laughs> like you, you start to realize that you know you don't have much time left. You know, the time ahead is probably far less than what you what you had before you know and yeah the things that you've done in your past are are typically pretty silly or naive and maybe you just were completely wrong and so I like I always feel like there's there should be a redemption path for for everybody um you know and so it's to me I'm 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 proud of you that you know you're you had this not a ideal relationship and you're kind of bringing it back and working through it and trying to, to do something with it where like, I'll give you an example. My sister, she's written off our family almost a hundred percent and she has no interest Mm -hmm. in coming back to talking to anybody for anything. Um, It doesn't, doesn't matter Mm -hmm. what it is, you know, death, births, anything like that. And it's always been a sad point for me because, you know, I, I would love to have her back, but at this point, you know, it's, it's in her ball court. I've, I've been emotional about it. And at this point, it's like, if you come back great. And if you don't, well, that's great too. I've got a family to take care of. Yeah. I mean, I used to talk to my
1: mom all the time about it just because my stepmom hated me for and I never knew the reason why, like, I would always kind of expect my dad to tell me why, or maybe even, you know, even my mom to tell me why, uh, my stepmom to tell me why. And there was just, I, I mean, I kind of had an inkling of, of what it was, I wasn't always 100% sure. But for like three years, I just killed her with kindness. The last like three years, I killed her with kindness. And then I just kind of I hit your point, Thomas, where I was just like, I'm done. I was like, and you know, I had a conversation with my, with my mom and my stepdad once where my mom's like, "Well, how how how's your dad?" I was like, "I don't talk to him." You know, he knows how to fix the situation if he wants to approach me and fix it. He knows how to do it. Um that that was always kind of the biggest thing is that he needs to reach out to me. He needs to make Robin either respect me as his eldest and respect me as a a, fa- a family member and, you know, approach me as a normal human being would or they can go be themselves where they live and live in that little isolated area. And I'll come out for Christmas. I'll come out for Thanksgiving, whichever one I'm not with, you know, my mom and my stepdad on, and I will play the part of eldest son and they know how to fix it if they want. And then I came out for Christmas this last year after kind of giving up, giving up on them for about a year or so. And it was just like a complete one eighty. Like my stepmom was just so interested in me and, I was very taken aback. I didn't know. I, I didn't know if this was a ploy, if this was a plot. So I called up my little brother, Yoshi. And I'm like, Yosh, what is what is she doing? Why is this happening? And he's like, dude. And he kind of gave me a little bit of rundown and not to throw anybody's uh, you know life out there. But she had a very life altering moment um, with the beautiful uh, pandemic that has been out there. And apparently she had a, a coming to uh, coming to Jesus moment, uh, as my little brother Yoshi kind of put it. And uh, all of a sudden, just, you know, that was around the time when my dad started to reach out to me a little bit more. That was, you know, where the Christmas invite came into where, you know, he really wanted to see me, even though we just saw each other over Thanksgiving. And I was just like, all right, I'm 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 ready to accept this. I'm ready to come back. I'm I'm excited to come back. And I'm I've been making a, a very concerted effort over the last couple of weeks to, to just kind of get back in touch with him and and reestablish that, you know, that father son relationship. Uh, so
0: that's, that's really interesting. And, and a wonderful story to hear. Um, I'm going to sidetrack, I'm going to create another question here. So, you know, Mm -hmm. it, it sounds like to me, like, you know, COVID has changed your family dynamic in a lot of different ways. Um, tell us a little bit more about like, maybe anything else that you've seen COVID change for, for your family and and the way that you guys interact with each other or maybe even talk. I mean, do you, do you talk to them more frequently because COVID has been going on or is it less or what would you say?
1: (laughs) Well, it's kind of funny because my mom is, because I have three brothers, uh, you know, uh, Cherry and Yoshi. Those are their nicknames um, because I don't ever know if they want me to throw their real names out there, but it's, it's hilarious because like, my mom would always say that we have our dad's trait of not being very communicative, which is kind of interesting. Um, Cause like I, we would go months without talking to our mom. We would go months. With, I mean, there was a point in time where we went six months without talking to, you know, each other as brothers. And I was like, I called up Yoshi and I did a three-way phone call with cherry as well too. And we're like, we haven't talked in forever. And when COVID kind of hit, we started to do like a, a text thread and, I was out there, you know, throwing the text messages. I was calling everybody all the time. I was, I was really trying to spark up that communication because like I was isolated for the first time in my life. Um, You know, like to be honest with you, I used to go to the grocery store all the time. Like uh, the way that I used to grocery shop was I would shop for the day, you know, that I felt like I was wasting less, uh, you know, saving a little bit more money as well too. And then when the pandemic hit, I didn't have that social aspect where I could maybe flirt with a cashier, you know? or maybe just talk sports with the cashier, the guy there, because he was wearing a Packers hat or something like that. And my my social aspect kind of dwindled because everyone started staying inside. And so what better way to reconnect with your family than now when everybody has to stay inside and do everything? And as the pandemic has kind of progressed, I've noticed that my mom, who was a, a top nurse, you know, like she ran nurse wards in hospitals. Um, she's kind of become a little bit more relaxed now that she's retired. Uh, you know, it it was no more like, oh, maybe stay six feet away or whatever, you know, now that we've all got, you know, vaccinated and the booster shots and everything else like that, like everybody's kind of, we're, we're kind of back to that same rhythm that we were before. So, I mean, there was a major shift in the beginning, but once reality is kind of somewhat better restored, depending upon your viewpoint of the Corona, I'll let you make that decision yourselves but as some people feel like we come back more to normal society. So as we kind of, like I was saying, get back into that normal society, I've noticed that, you know, things are kind of falling back on the, uh, you know, we're we're not talking as much as I would like, but again, we are still talking, you know, at, at least fairly regularly, you know, so that's, that's always a positive for me. If that answers the question.
0: Well, it does. Well, yeah. and, and that's, that's actually a great answer. Um, you know, for me, I, I think that the pandemic has, has done two things. It's like, um, it, it's made me care less and it's made me care more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll explain that. So basically, I mean, like I, the pandemic just kind of made me think, um, you know, what am I doing with my life and what is my life really about? And, you know, mm-hmm. I don't have time to waste. So you know, making me care more about family has definitely been the flip side of that because it's made me realize what's important. But it's also made me care less about things that just are not important. Um, You know, running a business has been a challenge. You know, I've grown in responsibilities now. I'm a co-owner. And honestly, it should scare the crap out of me (laughs) more (laughs) often than not. But for the past two years, I'm just like, what's the worst thing that could happen? You know, um, you know, if, as long as my kids are healthy and our family is still together, if our house burns down, it sucks. It would suck, you know, but we'd still be together. You know, if the business fails yeah. for whatever reason, you know, we'd still be together. Um, you know, if we're living in a <laughs> in a van down by the river, you know, <laughs> it's still fine because we're, we're still together. Um, yeah. You know, sometimes me and my wife will have an argument and, um, you know, she will, she will go, she'll, she'll go down swinging for just about anything she believes in no matter. <laughs> oh God, she's really going to kill me for this one. Um, for, for anything, it doesn't matter how small it is, but for me, it's, you know, I kind of have that old school biblical mentality. It's like, if your eye offend you, pluck it out, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. like, okay, well, you know the house is bothered. We're arguing about the house. It's like, I'll burn the house down. I don't care. It's like, get rid of it. (laughs) Here's what matters to me. It's you matter to me and the kids matter to me. Everything else just is something else, you know? So I I think COVID's just kind of really focused me in on on those types of things. But um, I don't know. I've, I've talked to a few people and then there's people that I've wanted to talk to and I'm just like, no, I don't care. I really don't. It's like, I haven't talked to them in this many years and, um, you know, cause it's a two way street. It's mm-hmm. like, exactly. Yeah. Whatever. It's like, you know, so yeah, I mean, COVID has been this, this huge thing, but you know, I honestly don't like talking about COVID because everybody talks about it. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Everybody,
1: there's always some way to sneak it in or something crazy like that. It's, it's, it's been done in here and gone. Let's, let's move on.
0: <laughs> right. Um, so I don't know much about you really mm. at all outside of what we've talked about here today. Um, did your family want you to have kids early or wait until later on or, or where, where do they sit on you having children? Uh,
1: well, I, I will, I will say this. I have solved that problem, uh, huh. quite extensively. Um, I cannot have children unless the body miraculously decides to repair myself. Okay. Um, I, I knew I didn't want kids to begin with, but I do have a child. Uh, he okay. lives with his mother up in New York. And one of the interesting things that I know I will probably catch flack from, and you will probably most likely, uh, oh, what is that word here? Judge me on this. I, um, I doubt it, but go ahead. <laughs> I I have not seen my child, and he is 12 in a little bit, actually. Wow. Yeah, he turns 12 in a couple of days. Um. Early on, early on, it this was this was actually an affair I had. And mm-hmm. uh, I was married at the time. I was very young, very stupid. I, th- I, th- I was 22 and he uh, his mom, w- his mom came on to me like very, very strong. It was very weird. Uh, like I got married and all these women came out of the woodwork. And then as I was getting a, in the process of a divorce, she started coming on to me really, really hard. And, you know, as a guy going through a divorce in the military, Uh, especially with some of the women that you were talking to, all of a sudden this girl is showing lots and lots of interest. She's just being overtly uh, sexual in nature towards you. At some point in time, your morals can continue to stand up or they don't. And obviously I lost that battle. Um, I finally gave in. I was like, you know what? I I need physical attention. And I got some. And then there was a lot of drama. Uh, Just like you could probably feel a Jerry Springer couple episodes with the drama that went on. And his mom and I do not see eye to eye in the least bit, one bit. And for a number of years, I fought like I tried my heart out. And then most recently here, we had another conversation. I thought maybe, oh, time could heal all wounds, you know, like like they say out there. Nope, Um, uh, because he got into a fight at school and she felt the need to tell me about it. And he didn't start it, but he sure as heck finished it. And I was like, good good. The other kid deserved it. You don't, you don't come on strong and then, uh, expect not to get, uh, you know, try not to, if you can't cash a check, don't try to cash it, you know? And the kid tried to ca- cash a check that he couldn't, couldn't handle. And, uh, my son handled him and his mom thought I was a completely inaccurate. I was completely wrong. I, I didn't, you know, that's not the way you handle things. I was like, no, he did exactly what he was supposed to do. He didn't start it, but he sure as heck finished it. And we are just so incompatible on so many fronts. I just kind of wait for the day that he turns 18 so I can talk to him, you know, man to man about things and be like, hey, look, this is your dad's perspective. You can either take it or leave it. You know, uh, you are your own man. Make your own decision. And, you know, she says that he's he's very analytical like I am. He's very uh, a copy paste of who I am. So I'm hoping he gets that analytical thinker side of me, which would be really, really nice. Because then I don't have to worry too much uh, about anything. So that way, when I have that man-to-man with him, you know he'll understand. But yeah, uh, my mom is not happy about that situation, obviously. Uh, she wanted me to have kids. She wanted me to have more kids. And the fact that I can't have kids uh, is, is pretty no bueno. My dad, my stepmom, and my stepdad. My stepmom and my dad think it's pretty okay. My stepdad actually gave me a high five after I told him I had the operation. And uh, he thought it was really cool. But yeah, that's that's kind of that's that's where Jared is. So uh, I, I'm right there. I, I I do what I'm supposed to do as best as I possibly can in the realm of things I'm willing to fight for going forward. So that there you go. I just put it all out there for everyone.
0: <laughs> well, I can tell you this. I, I I don't judge you at all. I mean, if anything, I, I actually have an incredibly similar story. Um, yeah, And maybe I won't get into all details, but I'll, I'll give it to you in brief. So I am on my second marriage. Mm, and okay. So I've been married to uh, my wife for uh, I think it's at least 15 years. You know, if she's going to kill me about the other things in here, you know, might as well go ahead and add another one to the fire. <laughs> Spill the tea, brother. Spill the tea. <laughs> yeah. Um. But I I was married before. Um. I got married I think when I was 25 or something like that. But um. Anyway, the you know we we were young and. Yeah. You know, first marriages, starter marriages and, and whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I took it really seriously. Um, I, I'm not a person that, uh, you know, plays around with convictions. And, you know, if I'm committed to something, I'm I'm committed to it. But we're all stupid. We're all, we all have our flaws. We're human. And, um, you know, I, I don't think our marriage really, really was working out. And I don't think we're really communicating. But she started having an affair with a police officer. And, um, oh goody you know I tried to I tried to make it work, and it just it wasn't and i and I think probably the reason why she drifted away from me is because religiously, I was kind of moving in a different direction, and mm. her father was a Methodist minister, and I don't know. I mean, I'm I, cheating on I really a police never...
1: officer was very high and mighty of her. I will applaud her on that. That was sarcasm for all those, yeah. those, those of you who don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't want to, I didn't want to divorce. I, I really wanted to, to make it work. Um, mm-hmm. and it only made me more, um, convinced that, you know, I, I've made this commitment to her. I made this commitment to God and, you know, religious things aside, and, you know it was it was pretty devastating for me. Um, you know, I, I had moved so far away from home, and I was still you know away, and yeah, it was it it was a big deal to me. But um, you know, I'm going through this divorce, and you know, I'm, I'm working it at this one company, and one of my customers um, was pretty friendly to me, and she kept talking to me, and she kept kind of inserting herself into my life, whether I liked it or not and I was just kind of, you know, I was vulnerable and I was just like, okay. And um, she kept inviting herself over to my house and one thing led to another and, you know, we had this relationship. And um, yeah, at some point, you know, she, she told me she was pregnant and, you know, it was, it was super scary for me. You know, I was, I was very emotionally shot. I mean, I was just, I mean, I don't like, to, I don't want to use the word PTSD because I feel like that's something that it I, comes I in all know. shapes
1: and sizes. Thomas, it really yeah. does. You can, you can get PTSD from a dog attacking you. You can get PTSD from falling downstairs. You, it happens. If you have a traumatic event in your life, and yours was finding out you're going to be a father, and that yeah. can scare the ever living nonsense out of a lot of people. Don't worry about it, man. You're good. You're good.
0: Yeah, it, it did, and um. You know the the first thing that I kind of went for was you know you've got to have an abortion and she didn't want it and I was trying to convince her and then at, at some point I, I just kind of accepted it but for for her in her mind you know it was some big whatever and we never kind of reconciled and then come to find out that she wasn't divorced she was still married and you know it, it was <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was really, really crazy. And then, you know, like I wanted to take care of this child. I wanted to be involved in this child's life and she didn't want to have anything to do with me all of a sudden. And it was just really, really kind of bizarre. And she would never talk to me. She ignored every phone call, you know, absolutely just whatever. And so I didn't know if this was some kind of ploy because she had told me that you know her her ex-husband or her husband or whatever had always mm. wanted to have a boy, but they couldn't have a boy. They tried to get pregnant. So I, I didn't know if this was like some kind of, like she was using me and you know, there were other people involved and I didn't know and I never had the answers. And so he was born and I, I didn't know. And yeah, I was poor, so I couldn't force the issue and go to- Go to yeah. court or anything else like that. Um, so yeah, so I mean, just time kind of rolls on, and maybe he's my son, maybe he's not. And so fast forward to um, 2010, my daughter's about to be born, and I get served this paperwork. <laughs> oh, fantastic! And, you know they they're like, you know, you owe all this back child support, and we need to do a DNA test, and then they fingerprint me, and I feel like a criminal. I really mm-hmm. do. And then come to find out, you know, well, that day I told my wife, I was like, I was like, I need you to come home. I need you to leave work. I'm leaving work. We need to talk. And I told her some of that stuff, but, you know, we didn't really get into it because what did I really know? Mm -hmm. And so we had this long talk and, you know, she was fine with it. And we're like, we'll get, we'll get through it, you know, and like a few days later, my daughter's born and I've got this other thing, you know, piled on top of me. And so long story short, I tried to talk to the mother and she was willing to indulge me in that for a little while. But um, she became combative, like almost immediately. And I was trying to be logical because, again, like (laughs) I have a newborn child. You know, I don't know what else is going on. Yeah, exactly. And uh, long story short, I've never talked to him ever. I think he's probably about 18 or, or close to 18 now. And, um, I signed away my parental rights because, you know, we were struggling financially and she had been through, I don't know how many guys. And I, I think at some point she found a a really decent guy was married to him. I was like, I was like, if something happens, you know, who's going to take care of him. Mm -hmm. So anyway, long story short, her current husband, to my knowledge, you know, officially adopted him. I'm not paying child support, but she would never let me talk to him. So I kind of joke in the show intro, you know, I'm not your father. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> um, unless I am. And yeah. cause I don't, I don't know, maybe at some point, maybe he might listen to this. I've always wanted to have a relationship with him, but, um, you know, the fear of his mother and, you know, the poison that she's probably putting his in his mind about me, you know, is probably being like this worst deadbeat dad ever. And, who would never care about you or, or whatever. I, I just, yeah. So yeah,
1: I, I feel that. because I don't that's... judge
0: you at all. I mean, it, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's kind of strange to hear, you know, Hey, we've got to, you know, there's some commonality here and then, wow, here's something incredibly common that we have or uncommon that we have.
1: That's so, yeah. Cause like, I remember when I was 16, like I got interested, in, I got interested in my adopted, you know, and my birth parents, and I have a feeling that even though the toxicity that his mom may or may not spew towards, you know, towards my child, that's one thing that I will always just kind of go. I hope that he's a critical thinker like I am. I think that he can think for himself. And that's why when I was 16, I wanted to find out about my adoptive parents. And I feel like he's going to have that curiosity that eats away at him, just like it yeah. ate away at me. And at the age of 18, he's probably going to do something about it in that way. When he comes over and we have that conversation, he's going to go, I get it, dad, I get it. And then he, you know, he's a grown man, and he can make his own decisions. And I hope the same for you, Thomas, I, I really do. That if you're, if he is 18, you know, or older, that he can have that conversation with you, because I had the same exact thing happen. I thought for the longest time, I wasn't the father, until three years later, uh, you know, I was about to deploy, I could serve some papers, I go get checked out. Yep, it's my kid. I'm literally, uh, I'm two days away from getting on a plane going overseas to the Middle East. They're like, you have to show up for court. And it's like, I can't, I'm gone. And uh, social services actually was kind enough to handle it for me. And they, you know, they helped me out with everything. And they, the military did a, a phenomenal job lifting me up, getting on my back page that I needed to, to the mother. But I had something very similar happen where I just, I had no idea for the longest time because of drama. That's just, it's not worth bringing up, but yeah, (laughs) I'm right there with you, big guy right there with you.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, it's a challenge, you know, um, I I don't share your optimism that, you know, my biological son will will understand. Um, I have a, I mean, it'd be great if he did, but, um, I don't know. but you know, part of, part of me is really my kids. I mean, that's the biggest part of my life. I think, um, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a problematic part of like my family equation. I've told my kids about it at a younger age, but it's like, you know, where's, where's the instruction manual for this kind of dynamic? Um, you know, like my dad doesn't have really great advice. And so, I, I think if anybody's listening to this podcast and they're in a similar situation, maybe our insights and advice will help kind of guide them in that because I, have d- never seen instruction manual
1: <laughs> or a military
0: manual that explains, you know, um, this type of scenario. Although you would think that is probably as much as it happens in the military. And, and that's a stereotype that the DOD would create a manual for this type of thing. <laughs> Oh, I
1: bet. I guarantee you. I guarantee you some finance person's like, oh, OK, single father, blah, 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 blah. OK, go to this next. OK. All right. Yeah, this is your situation. They, they got a handbook. They just don't want to hand it out, yeah. um, you know. And yeah, you're right. It the th- This stuff happens all the time in the military just because, I mean, we are technically one percent of the American population. You know, and whether it's because we're the, g- the generates, whether we think we can change the world from the inside out, or whether we are just thrill seekers who want to go out and, and hold guns and stuff, you know, these things happen because our life, I, I mean, I can't tell you, I deployed five times in my six year career, uh, four actual deployments in one small TDY. Every time I left for a deployment, I had a girlfriend. Every time I came home, I was single. Yeah. So it just it's the way that life is, you know, granted, my deployments were, you know, I had seven, eight months at a time. Um, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, Air Force, you know, you don't you deploy for three, four months. No, 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 no. I was a cop in the Air Force. I deployed just like, you know, the Marines, just like the Navy, six to eight months at a time is, is how long I was gone for. Uh, unlike the Army who did year tours. But yeah, like I was I was gone for a good minute of my career. I've spent very little time stateside, so. You know that was yeah. that was how life was.
0: Yeah, I I I get it. Um, you know, for for me, I I always wanted to serve. Um, you know, I was born into the military. As a matter of fact, I lived on military bases for the first five years of my life. Um, but one of the things that I saw, you know, is the my dad trying to get me to think several moves ahead. Mm -hmm. was like, what do I want to do when I grow up? And it was like, you know, I want to be in the military. But what I really wanted was to have a family Um, because, you know, my parents divorced, I think when I was seven. And so that was really, really important to me. And so I kind of had to balance those out. And honestly, I didn't see the military as being something that was going to be good for a family environment. And so that's one of the main reasons why I didn't do it was because I really wanted the the family more than the military experience. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure you you probably understand that, you know, it's just like what you said, you know, you're, you go out, you know, in a relationship and you come back and you're not. And, uh, I didn't, I didn't want that. Not at all. I, I wanted to, to know that whenever I came home that this was solid, you know, and it, it was only getting better instead of worse. Yeah, there was very few relationships
1: uh, flourished in the military. It was you were either dating somebody who came from a military background who understood it. And so they were like, cool with you leaving for six, eight months at a time. Or you dated a person who was also in the military with you and they understood it. But a lot of that is hard because, you know, in like, well, just for instance, my career field, people hated the cops, you know, I mean, I had officers try to pull rank on me as an E3, you know, I was an was E4 for a little while. And, you know, these officers are like, I'm, you know, I'm way above you, blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, your, your rank doesn't supersede my badge, you know? Right. And you have these other people who just don't really like your career field. So you're kind of limited to the few people that do like you. And most of them are cops. And then you take the ratio of men, as MPs to the ratio of women and then the women who aren't also into women as well too. So like you are fighting against like every fiber of a relationship while you're in. And I realized that real fast that just this, unless you're like a back office, nobody who's never going to deploy you, the military is, is not a life to cultivate a family. It is so far above and beyond that. It's just, it's not even funny. You don't, you do not want to start a family in the military unless you are absolutely 100% sure that you both can withstand it. And I'm talking from both sides of the field, you know, whether you're a father or wife, you know, uh, it doesn't matter. You know, I, I've seen stay at home dads, uh, you know, of women officers leave their wives because they just can't handle it. And it's like, well, I get that, you know, it, it is not a place to cultivate a family at, at all, man.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, It kind of brings me into this next question. Yeah, we're kind of traveling down this path of, you know, where fathers are kind of portrayed, I I guess. So one of my questions, you know, in movies and televisions, there's this tendency for father figures to be portrayed as, as absent or maybe in a negative life. Um, We've kind of already gotten down to like, here's what happens in real life. But Mm -hmm. where do you, where do you stand on that as far as movies? Do you think that really holds true to real life as far as like, you know, that, father figures are, are kind of bad and, and I'll, I'll I'll preface that with like the Disney equation there's so many mm-hmm. Disney um mm-hmm. movies <laughs> I don't know why I bring it up but I, I think I I saw it somewhere but you know where all these Disney movies the the fathers are absent they're gone and then they're all, if they are you know mentioned at all it, it's pretty negative in you know as a father figure and as a father um it's like Man, you know, I I get where people kind of feel like you know, different races or cultures yeah. or sexes or religious categories are kind of marginalized in movies, and it's not to say that those movies don't serve a purpose, and that story wouldn't be as good without what they said. But um, do you, am I the only one, or or have you seen this too? Where you, it seems like you know. Like the dads are just not good people and they're gone.
1: Yeah, I've, I'll have i just preface this by saying I absolutely hate Hollywood with an absolute passion. Hollywood um, and the power of love. I hate that <laughs> so much. It's just everything is solved by the power of love, the power of willpower. And it's like, yeah, this happens one out of like every like 500,000 attempts. But like, you know, you Hollywood in my opinion gets so many things incorrect but they—it's almost like it has to work for the storyline. Um, I mean, you—you you take movies like uh, "Don't Look Up," you take movies like uh, uh, "The Day After Tomorrow." You know, you take a look at some of those movies where you know there's there's these massive, just glaring stereotypes about everything that's out there, and you're like, oh, th- th- it has to work for the movie, and that's that's how I feel. Like, whoops, sorry, I, I, I'm really good at always hitting my microphone. Um, <laughs> you can take a look you can take a look at these stereotypes. I mean stereotypes are stereotypes for a reason. they right. happen all the time, and I'm not saying that it's a positive thing. I'm not saying that it's a negative thing, but that's how you can make things work in Hollywood because I mean, if they told a lot of the true stories, they're not that interesting. They just are not like i've I've seen because um, I'm a big in the military, you know you take a look at uh, like zero dark thirty or uh, Lone survivor, you know or thirteen hours. You take a look at some of those movies and then like you get the like 10, 15 minutes of action and then they cut to a little bit of silence and they'll be like five hours later. And it's like, yeah, you know, it's it's bits and pieces of sheer utter chaos followed by lots and lots of quiet and silence. And you don't want to show off those bits and pieces of quiets and silence that are just boring. You want to show the parts that matter and how they matter that's why they always do oh we have no time to explain and then they cut forward and the main characters have, have talked to everybody because they had that seven hour drive to get where they're going to explain everything on the way you know <laughs> and you don't uh, i mean of course we're already privy to it but hollywood just in general in my eyes is 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 disgusting with how they do a lot of things nowadays i just i am not happy with a lot of what Hollywood is doing. And I find myself rewatching older shows and older movies and old, older TV shows because I feel like they do it better. Um, you know, the gratuitous I, sex. I agree scenes, about
0: the older stuff. movies, yeah. um, especially the ones that they've remastered. They look like they were done yesterday. I know in, in some ways, like um, the Alfred Hitchcock movies.
1: Oh, so good. As,
0: as a kid, I was just like boring. I'm like, I would, not even my cup of tea, but now it's like, (laughs) I watched Vertigo a couple years back and like it's remastered in 4k on Turner classic movies. I'm like, this is like one of the best movies I've ever seen in my life. This is amazing. Yeah, Yeah.
1: It's that storytelling, man. It's that storytelling. It it, like I was about to go on a ramp. So so I'm glad you stopped me there, but (laughs) just some of the graphic and gratuitous scenes that are in movies nowadays that just don't need to be there. You know, you, you like, you take a look at some of the stuff and you're just like, it does, you don't need to do that. You know, just have them kiss and close the door. I don't need to see that dude's head explode. I don't need to see all this crazy nonsense out there. Like just keep it to the storytelling. Like you used to in the old movies, because that was good. That is how you tell a story. That is how you make a movie with good storytelling.
0: Let me ask you. So are you a fan of Lord of the Rings at all?
1: I have the extended edition.
0: (laughs) Okay. All right. I heard the (laughs) sign. I was like, I was like, this could either be a big <laughs> yes, or this could be a big no. I
1: have a, if I have the extended edition of something, I love, I love it. I absolutely love it. It's just, I feel like such a nerd cause like I've done that where I'm like Sunday is Lord of the Rings day.
0: Awesome. So um, I watch a podcast called, I'm sorry, not a podcast a YouTube channel. It's called nerd mm-hmm. of the rings. Um, and I would, and if you're into Lord of the Rings at all for, for our listeners, amazing YouTube channel. It will spoon feed you everything that about The Lord of Rings. And when I say Lord of Rings, if you've ever heard of Silmarillion um, and you've tried to pick up that book, you're like, oh my God, I can't even comprehend this. This YouTube channel does a really good job an extremely good job about explaining all the bits and pieces of it. But um, the reason why I, I'm spinning off into this tangent mm-hmm. Is because um, I was watching his review on The photos and the interviews about the new Lord of the Rings show and one of the things That he was very Apprehensive about was that the show was Going to be Game of Thrones And mm-hmm. so I think the producers Of the show Had actually got fielded that question They were like no it's not going to be like Lord of the Rings Or I'm sorry it's not going to be like Lord of the Rings wouldn't that be a hell Of a <laughs> thing to say about the show. (laughs) Not gonna be about it's not gonna be like uh Game of Thrones and have those like sex and violence beats like every you know five minutes or or whatever. And so I was I was super impressed by that. And um and I I totally get where you're coming from. You know, like Game of Thrones I enjoyed it, but did it really have to have all that stuff? Um
1: it 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 did because it wanted to appease certain types of audiences and they wanted to draw in Certain types of audiences. We are. I, I have a firm belief that no matter how religious we are, and no matter how crazy we are, what what standpoint we are, we are all perverts on some some form and level, of course. You know? And you throw a little bit of that in there, and it, it all stands. It sells. It absolutely sells. Um, and I, I saw I saw a little thing. I saw a little snippet about the the new Amazon Lord of the Rings thing, and I'm just looking at. It and I'm like, ah. and this guy had made a, a really brilliant point. Um, so. Here's kind of like a, a little bit of a uh, a cut if you want to to cut this out here, but uh, it it was uh, a a dwarf of of a different color and uh, yeah. a, dif- a different race, and he was like, well, if there were dwarfs of a different race back then, that would mean that at one of the great wars that they had, there must have been a huge purge. And I was like, hmm, that makes an interesting statement, you know, because it it it, it lends itself to how whitewashed Lord of the Rings was. I will say that, yes, it was very whitewashed. But the biggest thing that I always liked about these people that do deep dives on things are when they talk about the female dwarves, you know, like how they look, they act and everything else like that.
0: Yeah. Do I they have them, beards?
1: <laughs> they have beards. They they're very hard to tell from other from other men. When they go out, they're cloaked and you can't really tell. Like, I want them to stay true to the books, you know, and how they're written, because that's what makes storytelling so great. There's a there's a book uh, it, uh, there's a book that I read that I totally had no idea was about a black platoon in Vietnam, but it was just so good that I had no mm-hmm. idea that it wasn't an entire platoon of of black soldiers. I think it was uh, Fallen Angels uh, is what it was called. Fallen Angels. I thought, you know, there was a whole mix of people. I thought, you know, there was that that typical Texas guy. There's the guy from New York, the guy from California, the the guy from, you know, Montana. And I thought it was this whole crew of ragtag individuals. And, you know, through my seventh reading, I finally realized, I was, oh, that's a nifty little twist that makes sense about a lot of the nicknames, you know, and I th- it, it's still a great book. It still holds up. But like, if they were to make a movie about it, I know exactly what they would do. And I don't want them to do that. I want them to stay true to the book, you know, yeah. I, Stay true to the source material, Hollywood. For the love of God. That's how you keep the fans.
0: So speaking of which, um mm-hmm. I, I didn't even think about and thank you for this, Jared, because you yeah. you've spurned my my uh, development of these interview questions. But you know, for me, like movies and TV are that's a big part of, of who I am. But having, you know, really good fatherly father portrayed type things like like these are positive portrayals of fathers or, or whatever, and mm-hmm. and I have a feeling that what I'm about to tell you, you're going to be like, at least I hope. <laughs> I think <laughs> you'll probably be like, yeah, I'm with you on this one. Um, so I, when you say Hollywood, are you specifically talking, you know, more the modern Hollywood and movies, or are you talking about entertainment in general and streaming services and you know, episodic television? in general, or are you, or are you specific to like, you know, the Hollywood blockbuster movie type of paradigm of that storytelling? Everything in general,
1: you know, whether it be the Netflix machine, whether it be Hulu, Paramount plus HBO max, uh, any of those guys, any, anybody who creates content for us to indulge, whether it be half hour TV shows or six hour sagas like Ozarks, I don't, I don't care. It, it, Hollywood is, is the creators of our entertainment.
0: All right. So let me challenge you with this. Um, and, and I'll preface what I'm about to say with the fact that I did not like this series the first time I saw it. Like I saw the the preview for it and I was like, this is crap. I'm not going to like this. I don't want to watch this. Um, in another point of usually whenever I say that for some reason, <laughs> I end up loving those things, so it's <laughs> it, it's it's absolutely crazy. But I'll, I'll let the count out of the bag. the The series that I'm referring to in this case is Bosch on Amazon. No, um, I don't. Okay, I would highly recommend that you see it. It's it to me, it is a. It would be in your wheelhouse, okay. Definitely, but um, here here's what happened. Yeah, I think it was a Amazon pilot season or whatever. They had these other far cooler shows that I thought were much more interesting. And I watched part of Bosch. I was like, nah, nah. I was like, whatever. And then I ended up finding out more about it, that it was a series of books that had been out for, for quite a while. And that the guy that wrote the books is actually like a writer on the show. And he actually is there for every episode. And he's a technical advisor on this other stuff. And I was like, well, maybe I'll give it a different, uh, another chance. Well, I watched the entire first season and then I started reading all of the books. <laughs> and nice. then it was so, I was so into it and the books fell in line with the, the TV show so well um, that I was like, it, I finish a book at one o'clock in the morning and I'm buying the next book and I start reading it. I'm like, I got to get it up at six o'clock in the morning and I'm still going after it. Nice. Um, nice. it it's, it's a great series. The, It's about, um, he's a former uh, tunnel rat. Mm. Um, and so in the books, he, he was a tunnel rat in Vietnam and he's been a LAPD uh, detective for a long time working robbery homicide. And he's, he ends up finding out that he's got a daughter with his, um, ex-wife. Didn't Mm. know about it. And spoiler alert, she ends up getting killed at some point early in the series and in the books. And so he's the single father and he's doing everything he can to take care of her. Um, but at the same time, he's one of those very obsessive cops that like finding out, um, taking care of, of, I, I think his saying was um, everybody counts or nobody counts when yeah. it talks about murder victims and stuff like that. And so he's, he's just really great role model um, with obvious character flaws. But he's a really great father like he's he's that kind of guy although you know it's got the hollywood aspects of it but the guy who wrote the books michael connelly was a um he was a crime beat reporter um i think for the la times and so a lot of his stuff is is real world la and like um a lot of the books are things that aren't really exciting like going mm-hmm. to eat pancakes <laughs> um, I
1: would and, like to read that part though. How can yeah. you make? How can you write and make eating pancakes enjoyable?
0: I'll tell you. I'll tell you why. Because he gives some of the best advice I've ever heard on pancakes. Um, I don't know if I've ever heard advice on pancakes in general, but he gives it to his daughter. And I do this now. I don't do it every time, but I I do this. But what he does is he he gets pancakes and he gets two plates. He gets an empty plate. He takes the empty plate and he covers the entire bottom of the plate with syrup. Then he puts his pancake on top of it. And I was like, and he explains why it tastes good because like you're it's consistent. It's not falling off and that type of stuff. And it soaks up mm-hmm. into the pancake. And I tried it and I was like, damn, what great advice. <laughs> and well, it's I, like I, <laughs> So I challenge you to, to read those books, to watch the show and to try that pancake. Uh, advice because it was amazing. And so it, it, but it gave me like an element of this is like everyday stuff. You know, mm. this is like beyond like the, the high points and the fight scenes and the shootouts and stuff like that, that invariably happens. There's the real life things that are going on, the little things. And for me, the yeah. little things mean the most. It's like, the, the major things or whatever that go on. I don't really think about those so much. I really think about the little things like this conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to be playing it back in my mind. It's like, what are the odds that I talk to some, some guy who I know nothing about. And we have so common similarities, um, in having, you know, a child, you out know, of wedlock and, you know, that type of stuff. It's, it, it it's bizarre. And mm-hmm. If we had an earthquake today, I'd still be thinking about this conversation.
1: That's dope. <laughs> That's like, yeah, I, I'm. I'm not gonna lie. I, uh, I, I've done a few other podcasts where I've talked about certain similar things that kind of go along this lines uh, along. Uh, you know the the birds, and I will frequently re-listen to those podcasts just to kind of relive those conversations. And uh, maybe it's the nihilist in me, maybe it's just because I I like to relive those moments. But this is definitely a conversation, Thomas, that I'm going to most assuredly revisit a few times throughout the next couple of weeks.
0: And and, and thank you for that. I mean, I'm 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 ecstatic to hear you say that. That makes me feel good, but it also makes me feel a little bit more validated that podcasting in general like the stuff that you do and stuff that I do potentially is helping other people you know and maybe you know our perspectives and our thoughts are helping them in a positive way and and really you know before the show uh, me and Jerry were talking about you know that the show is <laughs> careful cuz I almost said it's a not safe for work show it's a safe yeah. for work show um but that uh Oh crap. I lost it.
1: <laughs> That's right. It'll come back in a little bit. You could always, you could always snippet it out and be like, yeah, this was the thought I had. Cause I, I've done that before where, where I had a thought randomly pop in and mid edit and I threw it in there. It may not oh, sound as smoothest, but.
0: I, I, I remember what, where I was going with this, but um, you know, that, that me and Jared share these, the love of not safe for work conversations and um. I was telling him that, you know, the reason why I do the show is because I want to, I want it to be a positive type of thing that people can learn from and don't get me wrong. (laughs) I would love to Mm -hmm. not say, or to say things that probably would never be part of what this podcast is, but, um, you know, in, in our own way, you know, whether your podcast is safe for work or not safe for work, you know the the perspectives and the thoughts that we have in these interviews can really change the world, and hopefully for the better. Um, so that that's really all I'm I'm getting at, and I'm going to keep all that in. I don't I don't believe in editing a lot of stuff because <laughs> it's just like what we were talking about, like with the pancakes. Sometimes mm-hmm. it is these little things and these little conversations. Um, I'm not too big into um, Hollywoodizing a podcast into making it like you know oh it's slick and cut and that type of stuff sometimes it's it's the warts and the little weird things that really kind of make more sense and i'll I'll show you how deep um down the star wars rabbit hole i go um the uh episode of uh i'm sorry i mean so into the word episode now the empire strikes back the movie there's a guy holding a uh, an ice cream churn i forget what they what they call they call it Mm -hmm. but it showed up in all the mandalorian and book boba fett things and um it it was something little that fans were into and now it's like become like an invaluable part of star wars and so that was like a a war it was something weird you know it wasn't somebody could have easily cut that and now it's like Mm -hmm. that's great we love it. We'll try and put in as many scenes as we can.
1: The little Easter egg for everybody to find. Can you find all the Easter eggs? Yeah. Just right, like South yeah. Park has got an alien in almost like every episode.
0: I didn't know that. I'm not a big South, Far- South, Far- South <laughs> Park, South <laughs> Park fan, but um, no, I, I didn't know that.
1: Yeah. There's uh, there, like, uh, I don't know if it's like every episode, but there are a lot, a lot of episodes early, early on when, there are just hidden aliens in the background where they're there for maybe just a split second, you know, and then they're gone. But yeah, they they hide aliens all the time in, in some of their stuff. I don't know if they do it for the most recent episodes, but I mean, maybe I'm just dating myself here now. now speaking of safer work content, though, um, for your listeners, if they do check out Feathers and Friends, Do not expect to be in a safe for work environment that it is very not safe for work. I fly off the handle. I use uh, pejorative terms that probably should not be used in today's day in society. And I think you may have guessed it from one of the first parts, uh, the the people I threw out there, I I do some interviews where it is very not safe for work content. So just just be aware of that going into it.
0: Well, tell you what, um, if you would tell our listeners how, how they can find you. So I know that you're on Spotify. I'm assuming you're probably on other, other big platforms like Apple podcasts and other stuff.
1: As far as I'm aware on, I'm on all major eight platforms, uh, Apple, Spotify, uh, you can even go out to YouTube if you like watching some of the videos that I do where you can actually see me interview some of these people. Um, usually I interview people over zoom. So if you go to YouTube, it's parrot gaming productions. Uh, if you just look me up on any major uh, platform for podcasts, it's Feathers and Friends. You'll see my little logo. You'll see two little birdies. You'll know it's you'll know it's me. So,
0: Well, awesome, Jared. Well, I truly appreciate you coming on my show. I think this has been a fantastic episode, it's warts and all. Hopefully people have found the Easter eggs and <laughs> all our little <laughs> conversations. But um, thank you so much. It's it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show.
1: Oh, well, thank you, Thomas, for inviting me. And I'm glad I figured out that you were talking about today and not next Saturday, the 19th. So,
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I started totally get that. No, it's, I, had to, it's, I had to
1: throw that jab in there. Big guy I had to. <laughs> it's
0: it's OK. Um, I I would I I'll tell you this. I have far too many calendars in, in way too many different places. And yeah, but it, it it's only going to make me better because I'm, I'm totally going to use that tool now. I'm going to be like, okay, I'm going to start using that. That makes perfect sense. So, um, for me, one of many things that I'm going to take away from this conversation. Um, so kudos to you. Thank you, Jared.
1: <laughs> oh, it's been an absolute pleasure, Thomas. Thank you very much.
0: All right. So, um, be sure to subscribe to You're Not My Father and get your weekly dose of You're Not My Father. We're also available wherever fine podcasts are sold, given away, or um, bartered in exchange for chips and dip. Um, <laughs> if you've found this podcast useful, please spread the word on social media. Tell your friends, pets, anybody else who will listen. In a Jared's case, tell your birds. Uh, you can also follow us on Facebook.com slash show. And that's it for us at uh, You're Not My Father. Remember, if you're a fan of us, then we're a fan of you. Take it easy, stay positive, and remember, good vibes only.